Hello. Thanks for joining me again. I'm your host, Bill Kaufman, for our show, uh, Investigation Bible. And in this show, we're studying the Bible and things surrounding the Bible through the eyes of a retired law enforcement officer. And that's me. I used to be a cop, and now I'm not. <laughs> and uh, that's after, you know, being one for a long time, and then you retire because get older and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's me now. So I'm working on my passion, which is studying the Bible and studying things surrounding this idea and these ideas, and then teaching them. I've taught Bible studies for people for years, and I like doing it. I think it's a fun thing to do. And that doesn't, <laughs> somebody brought this up to me this week. They're like, well, you know, you're people that, how do people talk about God when they're flawed people? I go, because if nobody, if only unflawed people talked about God, no one could do it because everybody's flawed. That's the whole point of the gospel. The whole point of this thing is that we're all messed up people, me, you, and the Pope. It doesn't really matter. And we all need Christ. That's why Christ came and died on the cross for the sins of mankind, not just for tall people or short people or people with curly hair or straight hair, just for all humans, okay? Because we're all got lots of problems. Me too, everything. And a lot of things I'm teaching here, maybe I'm even wrong. But I believe that it's been years of study that have brought me to these decisions. And I'm just sharing them with you. And then we're going to study it all together. And once again, investigation Bible. And that's what we're going to do. Well, this week, the last few weeks has been when I talked about the Bible historically, where it came from, and then we talked about archaeology and a lot of archaeological things about the Bible. Then we talked about science. We had some scientific statements uh, or scientific people who lived and well, basically founded science. There, and I didn't even bring this up last week, but there was a uh, last episode, but there was a guy named Stephen Meyer who wrote a book and that I read, and let's see, what was the name? I just came to my mind right now, actually. Um, I don't remember now. Something about God, though, and um, I'm going to have to look it up. But I read the book, and it, it, it was brilliant. He even talked about how the foundation of Western science can only come through somebody who believed the Bible. Because if you believe something else, uh, for example— and I'm not putting anybody down, but if you understand what Buddhism teaches, and that's fine, you should. I don't know why anybody doesn't understand why what the great religious leaders of the past taught. I don't necessarily believe it, but you should know. And if you understand the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path, um, at least when he lived, uh, Siddhartha Gautama was his name, all that kind of stuff. You kind of got to get a good idea of when he lived, where he lived, and all that. I, I think everybody should know those things. And so if you study that, though, you kind of can come to the conclusion that uh, you are seeing things falsely, okay? It's an illusion. And under that mindset, it would be hard to get the codified rules of science like Francis Bacon did because you wouldn't be able to tell what they were. It's all an illusion anyway, okay? Or if you believed that God controlled everything, which I do, except for I think he put things in motion, and that short of a miracle, they're always going to stay the same way. The motion that he put into place is always going to be the same. Well, that's what I think. And 
if you don't think that though, and that's what Isaac Newton thought, that's what Kepler thought, that's what um, all these ancient guys, Bacon, who I just mentioned, that's what they all thought like, Volta, all those guys. They thought that God created this place under rules, and those rules are going to keep running, and we can study those rules. And Kepler even said that we, meaning scientists, are just thinking God's thoughts after him. Okay? So um, that's kind of where I come from. And Stephen Meyer came from in his book saying that it's under the idea of biblical Christianity. It's a biblical worldview that gave us science in the first place. Now, I believe, as I spoke earlier, that the Bible is true. There's no doubt that I believe that, and I'm not trying to, you know, say it's not. that's not it, or that I think anything else. However, this book is made up of many things. That book is not a history book, but it has lots of history in it. That book is not a book of poetry, but there's a tremendous amount of poetry in it. Um, if you read Psalm 119. It's 164 verses. It's broken up into eight, uh, 22 sections because there's 22 alpha, uh, letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And every section has eight verses in it. And every verse starts with the, their alphabet in order. So if we used ours, every verse starts with an A. And then after those first eight verses, the next eight verses start with a B. Every verse starts with that letter. And they, and they do it all the way through the Hebrew alphabet. It's a thing of poetry and it's a thing of beauty. Even if you don't accept it as the word of God, which I do, it's an unbelievable work of, of poetry. Okay, So even though the Bible isn't a book of poetry... It has poetry in it. Well, it's the same thing here. The Bible isn't a book of science. It is not. But it has a lot of scientific statements in it. And if those scientific statements are not true, then it would, I would have to say and conclude that it's not true. because It can't be from God because if there is a God and he makes a scientific statement, that scientific statement is going to be true. I remember when I was an early on believer, very early, maybe two years in, and a guy I was in the army with, he says to me, uh, he goes, well, I would believe the Bible, except that it, you know, teaches the world's flat. And we know that's not true. Well, I was just joking with him. I said, how do we know it's not flat? <laughs> I was just joking. He, he looked at me like, what? And there was other people standing around. I go, yeah, how do you know it's not flat? You ever been out there? He goes, well, other people have. I said, how do you know they've been out there? Maybe they lied to you. Well, I was just kidding, because I know the world's round, <laughs> all right? And... Um, I was having fun with it because it doesn't say that in the Bible. That's That was my second part. And then he, after I flustered him a little bit, I had fun with it. Then I asked him, I said, well, I'll agree with you. If the Bible teaches the world's flat, um, where does it teach that? I would like to read that because it doesn't teach that far as I know. And he couldn't, of course, come up with it. He'd never even read his Bible. He didn't know anything about it. But, you know, he'd been told that and everything. So anyway, if the Bible teaches false things, then it can't be true if it's from God. I, I accept that premise. So I'm going to come up with, I'm going to share with you quite a few biblical statements of science, and I'm just scratching the surface. There's so many more things that it mentions, but we only have, you know, I'm trying to make these 50s within a 30-minute uh, episodes, so there's only so many I can do. But I'm going to start with the very beginning. This is one of the most amazing statements that I think I've brought this up to a lot of people, and I've had people be really surprised about it. Like, they never thought of it. And I mean intelligent people, highly educated humans, because 
you know, they like to have dinner and talk to you too. <laughs> Just because they're a college professor doesn't mean they, they don't like to, you know, go out to dinner with you and have fun because I got a lot of friends and we do that stuff all the time. Go get some pizza, man. Talk about fun stuff. Well, in the very beginning, in Genesis, it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, we all know that. Everybody knows that. I don't know anybody that doesn't know that God said, let there be light. Because people quote that all the time. I mean, even when they turn the light on in, the, in a dark room sometimes. I mean, people just say it because it's a very common thing. Well, it's right there at the beginning of Genesis chapter 1. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Later on in Genesis, God creates the sun. Well, that's not a contradiction to ancient mindset. Light comes from the sun. I mean, what ancient person wouldn't think that? All ancient people would think that. Genesis chapter 1 was written 3,500 years ago. And it said, there was light before there was a sun. Well, now we know that's true. Back then they couldn't have known that. God, we'll use the term Big Bang for lack of another statement. I don't really care what you call it. I don't know. But he said all of a sudden he spoke the universe into existence. That's what the Bible says. Well, even under modern quantum physics and things like that, um, it flat out says that this universe had a beginning. That was the thing of the 20th century that it destroyed the steady state model. In fact, when Einstein came up with this special theory of relativity, he still believed in the steady state model. He did. And that means that the universe has been going on along the same for immortally, and it will continue for all time, too. It just will never change. And that's called the steady state. And by the way, Haley and a few other great uh, mathematicians before him had built in these equations showing this. And so he, when he first came up, he actually accepted that. He said the biggest mistake he ever made was thinking that it was a steady state because then when he came up with his general theory of relativity a few years later, he realized that that was wrong. And, and I mean, I'm oversimplifying it. So if you're an expert in this, you're going, well, it's not that simple. Well, you're right. It's not. But basically it says that the universe expands and this is guys like uh, Hubble and things like that, scientists like Hubble that says the universe is expanding, and that's due to the red shift. Hubble was, a, uh, you know, looked through a telescope and he saw that these stars were moving in the uh, had a, a the, had a redness to them. Well, that was because they were moving away from Earth. Well, the only way they could be they weren't staying steady; they were moving, and they were moving away from Earth at light speed. I guess you know, I mean, that because he's looking through it at light speed because he's seeing something from years, you know light years before but what he came to that conclusion that the earth was the universe was expanding well that's true we now believe that that's true and that einstein and all those guys and 20th century physicists and you know those guys they came to this conclusion and it's true but they also understand through gravity that eventually it's going to have to stop expanding and going to start contracting and it will come back in on itself Okay, that's 20th century physics. That's when it came up. Before that, people believed in what was called the steady state. Well, God said, let there be light, and there was light from one end of the universe to the other. It was bang, the big bang, and light went. Okay, light is a particle. Light is a wave. Yes and yes. 
you know, that's the other thing that we do know. Um, maybe we can have somebody come on and explain that to us better. But I've done some experiments on that myself that other people have done. And I've done it in my Bible studies, showing how you can prove that light is both a wave and a pulse, depending on how you're looking at it. If you took physics, you you probably had a good teacher. You probably have seen some of those experiments. Um, but anyway, nonetheless, light is a entity, a property in and of itself. It doesn't come from the sun. The sun does give off light, but light doesn't come from the sun. That's what Genesis chapter 1 tells us. It, and there's no way anybody could have known that back then. Not a possibility. Okay. Now, now we're going to move on. Job. Oh, the other one is um, the flat earth. You know, the Bible not only doesn't teach there's a flat earth, it teaches there's a round earth, which we're going to get into in a minute. And it also teaches that it hangs in the space. The oldest book in the Bible isn't Genesis, it's Job. Job lived before Abraham did. So Job is over 4,000 years old. And that book in there isn't really just a Hebrew book because he lived before the Hebrews. But the Hebrews were given this book and they and, and they made it their own. And it's a great story. Oh my gosh, it's one of the oldest stories known to man. Epic of Gilgamesh and Job are both um, over 4,000 years old. These are the oldest stories known to man. All right, that were written down. In Job, it says that God has the earth floating in the space. In fact, Job, it is 26.7, says he, meaning God, spreads out the northern skies over the empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. Another translation. God stretches the northern skies over empty spaces and hangs the earth on nothing. Another translation. He stretches out the north over the, the void and hangs the earth upon nothing. It doesn't matter which verse you read. It doesn't matter. God hung the earth upon nothing. And this is over 4,000 years ago. Even 3,500 years ago when Hinduism really gets its start with the Vedas and the Upanishads and stuff like that, they taught that the earth was on a big giant turtle. I'm not... A, exactly sure why a turtle i don't really understand that but that's what they taught okay so i'm not i'm not putting down their teaching i'm just telling you what they taught they they taught the earth was on a big giant turtle and then we have atlas the uh, the greeks the greek idea now this is uh, much closer this is only a couple thousand years ago and um 2500 years ago time of homer and 26 or 700 years ago for homer and and some of the philosophers are 2400 years ago like um Aristotle and you know Socrates and Plato um but but anyway that that time frame the Greeks taught that a guy named Atlas held the earth upon his shoulders all right that's why we have a the map well not today all young people you just use your phone right you don't do anything it's like where do I go and you put it in your google search and bang you just follow it I understand I do the same thing but if you lived any time at all, if you're old like me, then you had to have an atlas at one time if you wanted to find your way around, okay? So you had to go to this world map and an atlas and, and all that kind of stuff to find your way around. You don't have to do that now, so if you're young, I understand why you wouldn't know that. But um, at one time you did, and they named it an atlas after this guy, all right? But that's not what the Bible teaches. 4,000 years ago, the Bible taught that the earth hung upon nothing. It wasn't until Isaac Newton came up with the laws of gravity. If you can understand the mathematics, it would be a good on you. But it wasn't until the laws of gravity by Isaac Newton 
that we could even comprehend this idea that the earth is hung up up on space on nothing because it is well it's gravity everything goes pulled toward the center of the largest spinning mass and all that kind of stuff but who knew that four thousand years ago nobody all right so how did this get written in the book of job when it's describing god's creation because god was there and he knew it and he told us that's the only way i I can explain that all right now we're going to move on isaiah 40 22 um this is the circle of the earth all right now this is what it says in isaiah um 40 22 he sits alone on the circle of the earth now the the this is what it says he meaning god he sits alone on the circle of the earth sphere of the earth the circuit of the earth the um the the hebrew word is and i can't pronounce it it's c-h-u-w-g i have no idea how to pronounce that schwung schwag I have. I honestly don't know. I, I don't speak Hebrew, so I just know that the word is C H U W G. It is trans, if you look it up in the Encyclopedia of Hebrew Words, it's circuit, compass, sphere, circle. Okay, those are the synonyms for that word, and in English, and so those are, that's what that word means in English. And so it says he sits upon the circuit, the sphere, the circle, whatever you want to call it, of the earth. Now when Columbus was getting ready to sail, and he was trying to get people to finance his trip, people like Isabella and Ferdinand and all that. He used this as an argument. He said, the Bible says the world's round, and he used this verse. And he said, the Bible says the world's round, it's round. We know the Bible's true, so let's just go with that. That was his argument. And he believed that the world was round, and he believed that the Scriptures taught it, and it does, clearly, right there. And there's other places, too, but we need to move on. All right. Um, Here's a crazy one. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. This is 20th century science. We didn't know this until the 20th century. Nobody before then really understood it. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Okay, that part we understand. Everybody can get that, and we've all, a lot of people have thought that. Some people don't. Some people do. But this next part, how in the world do they know this? So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Everything that is made is, see, is made out of things that are unseen to the human eye. That's true. That's what the Bible teaches. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Who knew that? Until we understood that Adam's made up stuff and all that kind of thing. You didn't know that. I still remember my high school um, I don't remember. He taught me in algebra, and he taught me in geometry, and I, I don't remember what else. But I remember him talking about um, the table. He goes, do you know there's there's more not of this table than there is of the table? And he, he was not talking to just me, the whole class. And he was explaining this idea that, you know, that things are held together through these atoms and that there's more space between the atoms than there is of the atoms. So this table, even though we find it to be solid, has less solid in it than not. Still works out to an experience that it's a table. And, you know, he even said this. He goes, that's still a wall. There's more, there's more not of that wall than there is of that wall. But if you try and run through it with head first, you're going to get hurt because it's still going to hold because that's how this stuff works. He was explaining that to us when I was just a kid. 
But we know that because that's 20th century stuff. That's when that was discovered, all right? How in the world did the writer in the New Testament 2,000 years ago know that everything that you see is made up of things you can't see? He couldn't have known that. Only God knew that at that time, and he happened to tell that author of Hebrews, and that author of Hebrews wrote it down for us. All right. Um, there is um, paths in the sky, and we call them now the airstream, and there's paths in the ocean, okay? Well, the Bible says that long before anybody knew about it. In fact, we didn't know the airstream until really modern times when we started flying in it. We didn't know that there was actually paths that you could fly. You know, it's actually faster to... This, I, when I first found this out, I was surprised. If you want to fly from California to Japan, you don't fly straight to the Japan. You fly up and down on the earth. I, I, it has nothing to do with this. It's just interesting. When I first found that out, I thought that was interesting. And it works out that way a lot. You'd think it'd just be faster to fly straight to something, but it's actually not. All right. And that has to do with a lot of things, including these jet streams, okay? But... Anyway, we know what the jet streams are. We know what these paths are. Also, there was a guy named, um, oh gosh, what was his name? Uh, Maury, M-A-R-Y, Maury, Matt, Matt Maury, I think it was his name. He lived in the 1800s, and he read this verse right here, which is Psalms 8.8, and he decided to take it at face value, and he put his life to discovering this, and it's true, and it was the paths of the sea the circuit of the sea, the paths that the sea goes by. And he wrote a book before he died after studying this that is still read to this day because it was so stinking accurate. And he lived in the 1800s. But anyway, he did this. He read this verse. And the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all the swim and the fly at the paths of the sea. Okay, I, I messed that up. I'm going to read it in a more modern translation. The birds in the sky and the fish in the sea and everything that swims in the ocean follows its currents. Okay? That's what it says in the Bible. He said, wow, there's paths in the sea? Hmm. I think I'll find them. And he gave a life study to it, and he did. And now everybody that does any oceanography, um, Jacques Cousteau, for example, <laughs> he understood the paths of the sea. And I can tell you, you don't want to fight against them because you can't. I had sea dews quite a few years ago that I used to take out in the ocean all the time when I was a younger man, and I couldn't get anybody to go too far out to sea with me. They were probably smarter than I am. I don't make good decisions sometimes. I'm take, I do things that might be not wise, and that's one of the things I, I, I just take that sea dew and just take off, man. I had so much fun in the ocean on that thing. Well, one time I decided to go from where I live, which is um, in San Luis Obispo County, and staying in the county, but where I live, and then get to Avila, launch my sea dew, and ride it up to Morro Bay. That was my plan. So I'm riding up to Morro Bay, and the and it turns out that that's not the path of the sea. <laughs> turns out that um, the, the the currents are coming against me, and I'm just getting beat to a pulp, trying to jump these wave after wave after wave after wave, and I'm not getting very far. And the next thing I know, I'm pretty much halfway out of gas, and I'm not halfway to Morro Bay. And I was like, okay, that's not going to work. So I turn around and, and I shoot back to Avalon, you know, in abject failure. All right. So then I say, well, if it doesn't work this way, why don't we do it the other way? So launch the Sea-Doo in Morro Bay right at the Avalon. Don't even use a third of the tank. And it was smooth sailing. Why? I wasn't fighting the paths of the sea. Okay. And that wasn't really under, completely understandable. I mean, I, I think that people that 
were out there on the ships, the Spanish galleons and guys like that. You know, they, they, they sailed around the earth and Magellan's time and all that. They understood that there was, you didn't want to fight against it, but they didn't completely have it all mapped out like this uh, Maori guy did. But he did that by reading this verse in the Bible, okay? Now, let's move on. Job 38, it says, this is a crazy one. Once again, it's modern times. Do you, God's asking Job a question, do you send lightning bolts on their way? Do you report, do you hear, the? T- okay, I, I, once again, let me reread it. Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you, here we are? Well, that's a crazy statement. And honestly, I think everybody took it as figurative. And, you know, before the 20th century or late 1800s, before that time, you took that as completely figurative. The lightning bolts talk. Lightning bolts don't talk. Yeah, they do. Because electricity is how we now communicate around the world. This is how I'm communicating to you. This is how the whole system works. It's all electricity. You can take, who, who, who would have thought before modern times that you could take pictures of somebody talking and they would move and you could send them at the, at the speed of light across the whole world? Nobody. Not before modern times, but long before I was born, that was already happening. And it's happening now. Electricity does talk. And the Bible says it does. That's, that's nuts. But it, it's what it is. I mean, you can't, you can't get through it. Um, it taught the water cycle. The water cycle is something that wasn't known until modern times. And this is, and this, okay, in fact, it wasn't until the 1600s and 1700s that people even figured out this water cycle. You know, scientists figured it out. But this is what the Bible says, and it does it in multiple places. All the, this is um, in Ecclesiastes one seven, written by Solomon twenty nine hundred years ago. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come, there they return again. Well, we know that now, but they didn't know that then. That wasn't a known thing until the seventeen hundreds, really, seventeenth century anyway. And we understand now evaporation and all that kind of stuff, but they did not get that. And yet, look at that question. All the streams flow into the sea, and yet the sea is never full? Huh. You keep pouring everything into a cup, it's going to eventually full, flow over. Well, why does, if all these rivers keep flowing into the ocean, how come it's not getting full? Fuller. Well, we know it as the water cycle. And, um, but that's what that says. And then this is uh, Amos 9.6. Amos was a prophet that lived in, in the Old Testament days. And this is something that God told him. He says, the Lord's home reaches up to the heavens while its foundation is on the earth. He draws up water from the ocean and pours it down as rain on the land. The Lord is his name. He draws water up from the ocean. Well, how does he do that? Well, through evaporation. But they didn't know anything about that. So how's that in there? Hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ? 200 or well over 2,000 years ago? Yeah. This is amazing. And there's other places in the scripture that actually says the same thing. Um, I got to be at the end of this. I got a couple more minutes. Okay. Thus the heavens were. uh, Oh, I know. I was going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about this next week. I've got two more laws that I really want to dwell on. And they are the first and second laws of thermodynamics. 
And I really want to give a, a, a good study on those. So I'm going to go ahead and finish this uh, episode up. The point is, is there's all kinds of biblical statements that are scientific. We've just gone over a few of them. But they're all accurate. And there's no way those people in the past knew these things. It's not possible. Now, that doesn't mean I understand everything the Bible says, because I do not. I don't even pretend to. But if I lived 300 years ago, I wouldn't understand that um, the water cycle that it mentions right here. I wouldn't understand any of that, because we didn't know it yet. Okay, I wouldn't understand that the earth was hanging upon nothing. I could read it and say, well, according to the Bible, the earth is suspended in space on nothing. That doesn't make any sense, man. We know it's on a big old giant elephant <laughs> or turtle or guy, big muscle guy named Atlas. Well, do we know that? Well, yeah, because that's what I was taught. Well, why do we think that? That's what I learned. Well, what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible doesn't say that. It says it's hanging upon nothing. Well, I'd have been better off back then if I'd have just believed the Bible. And right now, if you just believe the Bible you're probably going to be a lot better off in the long run on things like science, okay? So thanks for joining me on uh, Investigation Bible. And, well, on our next episode, we're going to jump into a, a few more laws and biblical verses and see how they fit together. Thank you for joining me.